We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. If we want to praise Him, I'll give up a little bit of my time. Lord, we worship you in this place. anticipation in this place today whenever you have a people that are ready to meet God and a God that literally died to meet us there's no telling what's going to happen in this place this morning you came in with sickness, you came in with pain you came in with heartache this is your day Brother Hathcock made a statement this morning that got me he said this is a new chapter Some of y'all, the old chapter wasn't that great. Some of the old chapter, you may have had problems. You may have had heartbreak. You may have wished it was over. Well, this morning, we're turning the page. This morning, with Jesus Christ, all that can be put in the past. And this day can be brand new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I saw Brother Jared's notes sitting there. It was tempting. I saw Brother David's notes over there. It was tempting. I saw our OG pastors. Oh. But I truly feel like God's giving me a word this morning that's going to help us with this new chapter. If I said 2 Corinthians, I apologize. 2 Chronicles. I realize that just now. I apologize. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to go to verse number 1. We're going to read through verse number 3. Then I'm going to let you all sit down. 2 Chronicles 7 and 1. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering of the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, and worshipped, and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. His mercy is still enduring this morning. Lord, we come to you right now. We just ask you to anoint me this morning. Lord, anoint our other speakers. Lord, we ask right now that every word that is spoken this morning, that it finds fertile ground. Lord, let us walk into the next chapter of this church's existence. Lord, let us be the church you want us to be. Let us be the people that you want us to be. Lord, show us how to be obedient. And show us how to truly fulfill the will that you've placed in in this place today. Lord, I ask right now that you touch each and every person here. Lord, let our hearts be open and let our spirits be willing to go forth and to reach those that are lost. In Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand clap as we're being seated. It 
is so exciting in here. I want to get off my notes. I'm going to try quickly to stay on them because I got just a few minutes. wish we had a timer. Had last night, I had the great, before I do that, I want to do this. Thank all of y'all who prayed for uh, our friends Chase and Monica Crowder. Got to go to the funeral of their beautiful little baby on Thursday. Beautiful service. Thank y'all for your prayers. Please continue in your prayers. Now that the entire city that came out is gone, now that the family's gone back home, they need our prayers now more than ever. So please be in prayer for them. I got a great opportunity last night, and I had no thought that it was going to tie into any of this until last night on the way home. My mom works at a store, and once a year they get tickets from the Bluebell Ice Cream Company to go to a Rangers game. I'm not a big baseball fan at all, but when you get free tickets and my dad and my brother were going, decided I might as well go. So before, we'd always went to the ballpark at Arlington. We'd always went to that beautiful facility. If you've never been in there, gorgeous. Used to always love going in there. It was hot. Usually we always got tickets during the middle of summer when it was burning up, but it was always a great experience. Well, this year for the first time, we got tickets to the new stadium. We got tickets to the new place. Have any of y'all ever been there? It's a whole different experience. You walk in, and you know from the very beginning, man, they spent some money on this place. You walk in, everywhere you see, you can see the field. You can come in, and everything you can do was built for one reason and one reason alone, and that was to glorify the Texas Rangers. That was to build up. When you walk in, you see jerseys and stuff. It was a great experience. It was air conditioning. It was amazing. And we went in last night and we watched the game and luckily they won. I really didn't care if they did or not because, like I said, I'm not a big baseball fan. But they ended up winning. I'm getting dirty looks. <laughs> Praise God they won. But we sat there and saw that. But everything you saw was about the Rangers. Everything you saw was leading towards that. And it was amazing. It was a great experience. Everything about it was well choreographed. Everything about it was wonderful. I didn't think anything else about it. We were on the way home. My brother, who's... This is my sister here. This is her twin. So they're the. So imagine her just as a male. <laughs> but we were coming home last night, and whenever, whenever Brother Hathcock pastored in Cachetta, he came every once in a while, but he was never really in church then. He didn't get in church till after that, so he knows Brother Hathcock, but not on the same level that we do. He started. He got into church and started going to a church much later. Well, last night he said, "Hey." You've been talking about this churchyard building. Where's it at? And I told, him, I told him where it was, told him where the property was, and told him exactly where it was. He said, that's great. I don't know what you're talking about. So last night on the way home, about 9.30, almost 10 o'clock, I said, well, let me go show you where the church is. Let me go show you where it's going to be at. So, of course, we took the exit, pulled off, turned into the church property there where the billboard is, and I showed him. I said, this is where the church is going to be. And something hit me last night that had not hit me before. Something hit me last night that I hate to say I haven't felt before. See, for years, whenever they bought the property, I was pastoring another church. And in my mind, I'd already built a church where I was pastoring at. I was excited for y'all because y'all had got property. I was excited for y'all because there was a building going to go up. But I was pastoring a church. I had in my mind what the church was going to look like. We started pastoring another church. Again, I had in my mind exactly what that church was going to look like. And then when we started coming back here, I saw the designs. I knew the property was there. I was excited because I knew there was going to be a building there. I knew that there was something exciting about to happen. But to me, 
that vision for some reason was still a little bit far off. I couldn't, I couldn't grab it. I'd been praying about it and saying, Lord, show me. We're back here. Show me this vision again. And I'd been praying about it. I'd been excited about it. But I didn't quite see it. Last night, something changed. Last night, whenever I pulled up and showed, hey, this is where our church is going to be, the Lord allowed me to see something that was so exciting. He allowed me to see that building there on that property. He allowed me to see what was going on. And I got excited. Now I told my brother, look, this is what's about to happen here. Understand, I've been part of building projects many, many times. I've been, been there whenever things were sketched out on a napkin and came to fruition. I've seen that. But there was something about this the Lord just not allowed me to see yet. But last night, about 10 o'clock, I saw it and I was like, oh, wow, this is exciting. I hope I get to tell this. Then I get the call, hey, you got a few minutes? I was like, I got a few minutes. We're here this morning for a sacrificial offering. We're here this morning to give to this building program, which Pastor said this morning is going to be the next chapter in this church's existence. I believe that with everything within me. I was looking last night at this gorgeous building that was, that was made for baseball, that was made for things. Then I got to go and see where our church is going to be and realize that that was made for something else. That's going to be created for something much greater than what baseball could ever be, something greater than what football could ever be, something greater than what we ever could even imagine. In my notes I read while I go in that scripture, it said that whenever they built the tabernacle, whenever they finally got this built, David all of his life wanted to build this tabernacle. David all of his life was praying, Lord, let me build this. But the Lord didn't let him build it. He let his son build it. And finally, when they get everything constructed, finally when everything was done, all the furniture was put in place, they prayed over it. And they dedicated it. And the Bible says very plainly, it said, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we're still in a place this morning where the Lord still puts his eye on a certain place. And the fire from heaven still falls and consumes our offering and our sacrifices. That's exciting to me that God still does that. You say, well, it's just going to be a building. No, it's going to be more than a building. You're like, well, it's just going to be just something great that you can point out to people and say, that's my church. Yeah, that's true. We'll be able to say, that's my church. It's going to be brick and mortar. It's going to be beautiful. You've seen the sketches. But let me tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be the fulfillment of what we read whenever the, whenever the fire fell from heaven on that tabernacle. It's going to be just like in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, when it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongue like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. We're not past those days. We're looking towards the next chapter of our church's history. This is what we're looking for. Just like on the day of Pentecost, whenever the Lord sent down His Spirit to dwell in us. That's what we're looking for whenever this new building is constructed. We're not looking for a place where we just go, we look nice, we look pretty. Not something we can just show our friends. We're looking for somewhere that we can be in one accord. And God can pour out His Spirit among all flesh. Oh, come on, do you really believe that? 
It's about more than the brick and mortar. It's more than about just the building itself. It's what it's going to represent for this town and this community. What it's going to represent in the eyes of God. Realize, Jesus Christ is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But if you go through this Bible and you read, even though He's everywhere, it says whenever His people pray, whenever His people fast, whenever they turn to Him, His eye will turn towards them. Oh yeah, He's everywhere, but He will focus on certain places. His presence will be so strong on certain places. And as we move into this next chapter, I feel with everything within me in this last day revival that he's saying Life Point Church, Terrell, Texas, is going to be the epicenter of what this revival is going to be. It's going to be the epicenter of what's about to happen. A little bit further down, 238. I'm so excited our quizzes are learning this year. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's His Spirit living inside of us. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as, the many, as many as the Lord our God shall call. You want me to tell you what the next part of this chapter is going to be? What the next chapter in this church's history is going to be? What we're celebrating today? What we're looking forward to? It's not just about a building. It's about us being able to go out in this community. Going out and find your children who are lost. Going out and find your neighbors, your friends, your loved ones. The homeless guy living under the street. The junkie that was shooting up last night. And telling them this same gospel. That the very presence of God can live inside their hearts. That's what we're doing with this building. That's what we're doing in this next chapter of this church's life. It's not just about the brick and mortar. It's not about that. It's about being in the perfect will of God and reaching this community. That's what we're here for. Can I say something I was excited to see last night? You walk into the ballpark, they don't check what color you are. They don't check how much money you got. They just make sure you got a ticket. They don't check anything like that. All they do is let you scan you and let you in. Can I tell you something? We're in a church this morning. If you had any doubts, let me reassure you. We don't check what color you are when you walk in the door. We don't check what your family was like growing up. We don't check how much money you got in the bank account. All we want to do is let you know that you're here in the perfect will of God. And as we move to this next chapter, as we walk into this next phase, know that you're here and He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to go out and to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the whole reason he came to this place. That's the whole reason he made it. And he said, now I want you to go and do likewise. Church, it's a new chapter. Church, it's a new day. Does that mean we forget about all the old stuff? No, that's what got us here. But man, we get to walk into the presence of a loving God who says, hey, you know what's the revivals you've seen, the baptisms you've already seen? Well, I'm so excited about you getting baptized this morning. But the baptisms we've already seen, the people that have already repented, altar, he said it's not going to be a drop in the bucket about what's about to happen. He said the revival that is about to come, the latter is going to be greater than the former. What's about to happen is going to be bigger than what happened before. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen in the next chapter of this church. But let me tell you one thing. This is free. This is not in my notes. This is me getting out of the way. If you didn't get to hear our Sunday school lesson, go back and listen to it. You want to see your family saved? 
You want to see people really come to these altars? You want to see your friends, your family? You want to see those people you're passing by end up in that baptistry? It's going to take obedience. It's going to take each and every one of us. As that chapter turns, everybody's going to have to get involved. Everybody's going to have to go out and reach their neighbors and their friends and those people that are hurting because that's what we're here for. If you've been filled with His Spirit, if you've been filled with His name, if you've been baptized in His, in, in His name, we have a duty and an obligation to reach those because somebody's child is still out there lost. Somebody's friend, somebody's relative is still out there lost. We hold the key. How selfish would it be if we hold it? But man, we're getting ready to build something that's going to be a blessing to this community. But more than that, we're building a church that's going to reach for the lost. Bring them in and see them repent. See them baptized in Jesus' name. See them filled with His Spirit. And then whenever they turn around, they're going to get in and they're going to reach somebody else. It just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. That's what we're here for. Thank you all so much. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. This is your house. This is your people. These are your hands and these are your feet, God. And I'm going to give everything that I got to give you your praise, your glory. These hands, these feet, it belongs to you. And this house is full of your praise. And I ask that you're going to do a great thing, a mighty thing, a revival at this church right now, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How do you follow up with that? I'm not worthy to be up here, but we serve a worthy God. Amen. This morning, I present to you a uh, challenge of a sort. It's interesting today, in today's society, there is a perception of people trying to reach, people who are not drawn to God, people who want the best outwardly appearance, whether it may be physically, financially, or spiritually. There's always a new Guru 101, ways to look like him, to talk with confidence, or to feel empowered with people that look at you with stability. Now, I understand the world is living for themselves. There isn't a lot of people who are just wanting to just go to church, submit themselves unto God. This world is a selfish mentality world that we're living in. But Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. A lot of people are trying to be someone who they're not called to be. A lot of people want to come in and put on a show, which that's what we're not called to be. We're called to be obedient to the word of God. What he calls us to be, we're supposed to go into his house and sing praises unto him and do what he's called us to be. But he said, all this shall pass. And if it's all going away, what are you living for today? I want to ask you this question. Just think on it. Matthew chapter 23 and 28 says, even so you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hip hypocrisy and lawfulness. Church, I don't want to live a life that's full of being a hypocrite. When I come in at my house, his house, I want to lift up everything that I got because I'm full of joy. I'm full of gladness because he's put that in my heart. He's given me this breath, and I don't want to waste another minute because I am not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's what we're going to talk about just for a minute. Just knowing God isn't enough. Let's play right now. God, we thank you for this day, this time, this hour. God, we're blessed because you only allow us to be blessed in this position. I see bless this word, bless the remainder of this service, and we'll give you praise. Amen.
A young man goes to school, math class is going well, and the teacher proceeds to tell him, students, Friday morning, we are all going to have an exam, 50 questions. Here's a study guide for all of you to listen, understand, comprehend what it's going to be about. But the young man brushes it off. It's simple, you know. I've got this. Everyone else does it. Everyone wants to take a sit back on the back of the pew. They're just doing their own thing. It's simple. Everyone can get algebra, right? But the young man has made up in his mind, this will be a breeze, and I don't need to study. I've seen some of these problems before. And the week passes along, and Friday's exam is the last thing on his mind. Just as this exam and this situation right here, sometimes we think that church or God is our priority. It's just something that we can put on a back burner, but it is not. God has to be our first priority. He must be our first love. He is our first of everything. He gave us this life. And we need to give it back to him, right? But he's heard the chatter about it throughout the week, but he doesn't seem to make notice that it must be a priority for him to study. Rather than him taking 30 minutes a day to just sit down, read this study guide, and understand it, he wants to think that it's a me, me, me mentality. It's all about me having fun. It's all about me going out and doing this and that instead of focusing on what's important. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday passes, and here is Friday. It's a big day, just like today in church. Today is a new day, and Brother Michael, I commend you so much for going on and take on the greatest name that you can take on, because you will do no greater thing than take on the name of Jesus. But the young man didn't pay no mind. He sits down, and the exam comes, and then he remembers. Monday, when the teacher handed him the study guide, he thinks on all the questions. He was handed a template of how to pass this exam. Church, we're given the ultimate thing right here. It's the word of God. We've got all hands. We've got all mouth. We've got a sound mind that we can read, understand, and comprehend what he's called us all to be. So whenever God puts something before you, read it, understand it. We're called to be sharp. So when people call on you, I just am really going through a bad time right now. How can you be that lending ear? How can you lead them to a baptism of the Holy Ghost if you cannot simply be in tune with what God has for your life. He begins his test and thinks, maybe I could just fly my way by. I could just keep on going and maybe I'll just guess my way through it. Maybe I might be able to pass this. But he finishes his test sweating. He turns it in and he just goes on about his day. And the whole weekend, he sat there meddling. Oh my goodness, I think I have just failed this test. What have I done wrong? Is there something more that I could have done? Could I have been more of a someone who wants to be a steward? How can I be more for God if I'm not putting him first in my life? How can I be a leader of men if I don't go to his house, if I don't go to his altar, if I don't submit all of me unto him? How can I be what he's called me to be whenever I can't do a few little things that he's asked me to do? Monday comes, and he walks in with doubt in his mind, and, he, and waiting on his desk is a test with a big circled F on his page. For fail, I'm certain today that maybe not in this house, but around this world, that some people think that I've heard about God, but I don't really know God. And you cannot know God without first hearing the word of the Lord. You want to build yourself up? That comes with faith. And by faith comes listening to the word of God. You want to go and be someone great? It starts with here. It starts with this. It starts with using the gifts that he's gave all of us to be. I've got more time. 
I can just put it off for a little bit longer. Everyone else is doing it. No one else is going to church. No one else is wanting to do the right things. Well, that's why you're not leading anyone else to this altar right here. How come it's not happening for me? How come it's not happening for my family? How come there is no revival at my church? How come there's no revival in my own home? But you won't step out and do what God's called you to be. You don't got to worry about what everyone else is doing. If you just come and understand that he's God and I'm not, and this is what he's called for me and put on my plate, that whenever I go into his house and submit unto him, everything else will grow. Everything else will come. I'm going to pass this exam. I'm going to lead people to a baptistry because I was willing to submit unto what he was calling me to be. All of us in this house have the availability to open up the word of God. If you've got questions in your life, no better place to be than to fall in love with the word of God. When I study, I have to go just by myself. If there's some kind of outside noise, I have to go to a place where it's just me and God. I got to have that vertical alignment. If I want God to speak to me, I have to get away from everybody else. I have to put myself in a position to say, God, let me listen to what you have for me. I see what you're laying before me, and I don't understand the situation that I'm in, and it does not feel comfortable. But church, sometimes God will put us in uncomfortable situations to get us where he's calling all of us to be. If you want to get to the mountain in your life, you're going to have to go through the valley. If you want to get to where God's calling you to be, you're going to have to go through wilderness. But don't be someone who walks around wondering for 40 years, wondering, what do I do whenever God's saying, if you just come to my altar and lift me up, I will do a great and mighty thing in your land if you'll submit unto what I've called you to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Actually, let's do that right now. Let's stand in this place. Let's give him the glory. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our mouth. This is all for him. This is all for Jesus. This ain't about me. This is about him and lifting him up. What about we give him a little bit of praise in this house? Because God, you're worthy of my praise. God, you're worthy of my mouth. These are your hands. These are your feet. And I'm going to submit everything that I've got to you, Almost High. Because without you, I don't have this breath in my lungs. Without you, I don't have this heart beating. Everything that I have is because you have given it to me in this house here today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you're worthy of my praise. But the fact is that some people can be told over and over again. You can do your best. You can go to the job. You can go to the field. You can pour out your spirit to some people, but some people will see their problems or they will see their pride and they'll say, it ain't for me, right? Have you ever been in that situation where you're like, man, I can just feel the Holy Ghost saying, you need to go talk to this person or you need to go listen to them and they just aren't having any of it. And that's no bash on you, but that's their own problems to deal with. But we got to understand that even though they may not want to hear it, they need the word of God. And if we won't be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, who else will be? The word of God is meant for all nations, all people. doesn't matter how you talk, how you walk, what color of skin you got, where you came from, how much money's in your bank account. If you'll just take these ten little fingers and lift them up to him and say, God, you're my rock, and on this foundation you built your church, and I want to be someone great, I will submit unto you, and I know that you will come back to me. Something that gets me excited about baptism is today is a new day, Michael. 
It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter where you've been or what people have said about you. When you go down in water baptism, the only name that matters cleans the slate. He cleans all our sins, and he washes it clean. And I am proud of you. If no one else will say it, I'm proud, and I commend anyone who's willing to go down and do that because it takes courage and it takes faith. And if we want to go and see Jesus in the clouds, Jesus in the sky one day, it's going to take us to getting out of our pew because we can be so confined and think that this is all I'll ever be and this is all I'm ever called to be. But no, if you will just break off the chains and step out in faith and do what God's called you to be, don't worry about everyone else sitting on the pew. If you'll just do what you're called to be, God will take care of the rest. If you will submit unto him, because he's gave us the template in this house, and he's called us all to love one another. If you will submit unto him. Let's continue to have church. Hallelujah. Ma, 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 ma. Ha. If you don't feel the Holy Ghost already, I, you might check your pulse right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. <laughs> I think I should have went first. <laughs> That's some good preaching. Thank you, Brother Brian. Thank you, Brother Jared. That's some good preaching. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to just tag along with them right here. I guess that's why they call it tag team preaching. Huh. So if you would, you ain't got to stand. You ain't got to do nothing. But if you want to, turn with me to Matthew 3, 11 through 12. This is John the Baptist here. Huh. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, speaking about Jesus that cometh after me, is mightier than I. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I just want to preach just for a little bit on burn on. Burn on. You see... What, what sparked this up in me is I heard somebody quote it the other day. I don't know if it's a quote they had or they read or if it was just something they were just talking about. But they said, I, have heard, I, I, have, I would rather burn out for God than to rust out for the devil. But I disagree with that quote. Because you shouldn't have to burn out. You should just burn on. No matter the circumstances in your life, no matter the situations you, you go through, burn on. Continue to burn. Why? Because you have the Holy Ghost and fire. So don't burn out. Burn on. When trouble comes on, burn on. When finances are low, burn on. When friends and family leave you hanging, burn on. When the devil says you don't matter, burn on. Uh, oh, the story is said of Uncle Bud and uh, Robinson and the mule that would not plow. Uh, he kicked a mule. Uh, he even took a two-by-four and hit the mule between the eyes. 
He even bit the mule on the ear trying to get this mule to plow. But the fact is this, he would not plow. He wouldn't do anything. So he got some wood and some paper and he put it under the mule and he set it on fire. And the story says the, the mule still plowing to this day. <laughs> Church, we need the fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost moving in our lives. If you've got the Holy Ghost in fire, can I tell you, you won't be sitting on the sideline. In fact, you won't even be standing on those hot coals without getting your feet moving because you can't stand on something that's hot. We need the fire in the church today. Jeremiah 20 and 9 says it like this. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Oh, I believe anybody that's filled with the Holy Ghost ain't going to sit still. They're not going the, to hold the gospel message to themselves. You're not going to find them in a comfortable state. You're not going to find them just, you know, whining and complaining about everything. If you're truly filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire... You're going to be moving. You're going to be telling those folks around your life that, hey, you want exactly what I've got. It's time for some folks to burn on, not burn out. I know it's easy. Oh, I felt it as a minister. I know these other ministers have felt it, and ministers in here have felt it. The burnout sensation. But the fact is this, God's reminding me, when you feel burnout, get back to where you first started burning. It's time to get the Holy Ghost again and the fire. Burn on. Oh, deer hunting season is just a couple months away. And all the men said amen. I love deer hunting season. It's a time where we can go to the woods and we can get away for a little bit. And we can enjoy some time away. And, and, and it is year after year, except for a couple years, I've gotten something. But usually year after year, we just uh, we see the squirrels. And we think it's that big buck come running through there and all it is is that little gray squirrel. But the fact is this, I like it because we get into that camping mode. And it's not glamping and none of that stuff y'all call camping. I'm talking true camping mode. Brother Jarek knows what I'm talking about. We like to camp. And where we set a fire that burns on a Friday night and won't quit burning until the next Friday night. And I said all that to say this. When we get that fire burning, we know it's going to keep on burning. We know it's going to do exactly what we need it to do. And the fact is this, there's been some cold nights and truth be told, when you want to get warmer, what do you do? You get closer to the fire. So we make that fire just as big as it possibly can get. And when it gets cold, we get a little closer so we can get a little warmer. And I said that to say this. There's some folks in the church, you've been cold for too long. It's time to get next to the fire and burn on.
on so when you walk out of here, people notice that, man, something's different about that person. Something's different about them. I, I just can't put my finger on it. But when they get closer to you, they feel that warmth of that fire that's burning on. It's true. The fact is this. When you get the Holy Ghost, your problems don't go away. If somebody ever told you that, they lied. We're still people. You still got bills to pay. You still got some crazy children. At least I do. You still got crazy jobs. Life is just crazy sometimes. But the fact is this. We need to get back to where we once felt that fresh fire and get it burning in our life again and burn on. So the question might be today is, why? Why should, uh, why should you and I want the fire? Because when the fire starts burning, you know what it does? It destroys everything in its path. Truth be told about house fires, and here recently we've had a lot of fires. A lot of house fires because of the drought and a lot of church fires. I even heard some churches burning down completely. You know when a fire starts in a house, it's going to burn everything. It's not going to just go around your belongings that you want to keep, all your keepsake stuff. No, it doesn't happen that way. It burns everything. But the fact is this, why we want the fire in our life, the Holy Ghost fire, because it burns up everything. And the fact is this, there's people in the church that have been hanging on to some stuff that says, well, the Lord just hasn't convicted me about it just yet. And you've been hanging on to it. And what it's doing is it's, it's blocking you from getting the blessings and victories of God. When if you would just get the Holy Ghost and fire, what it would do is burn up everything. We just need some folks in the church today to get a hold of the Holy Ghost and fire and burn on. Let the Lord burn it all out. Let the Lord remove it all out from your life. But whatever you do, we've got to burn on. Brother Michael, only because they've already said something about you, I'm going to too, brother. But it's, it's incredible. I can't say, I say it with them. I'm excited about you being baptized in Jesus' name. And the Bible says if you, if you don't already have it, you may have the Holy Ghost already. But if you don't, it says you got the promise now of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, it does not stop there. You've got to burn on. There's family that's looking for you. There's, there's friends that are looking. There's some co-workers. There's some people that you're going to brush shoulders with. And if you'll just keep burning on... There's no telling who's next. Life Point Church, we're in the next chapter. As Pastor said it, we're moving on with or without you. The fact is this. Don't be at the bus station when your train comes in. I want to be a part of the revival that's happening. But it doesn't stop with Brother Michael today. It's not stopping with him. There's going to be some children's children in here. There's going to be some grandchildren in here. There's going to be some, there's going to be some family members in here. But what you got to do is you got to continue to burn on. Oh, brother, you don't understand. You don't know. I, I've just been burned out. I do know.
Because I have felt the burnout also. It's been crazy. It's been busy. And in fact, this is a busy month alone. For some folks like Pastor and a few others, you've almost been up to the church every single day of the week. And you can easily feel the burnout. But if you continue to get a hold of the Holy Ghost and fire and say, Lord, I'm not going to let burnout happen to me. I'm going to just keep on burning on. I'm going to just keep on burning. I'm going to keep on so that those around me in this city, in this town, in this state, in this country. Hey, we've got, I I hear it all the time. I hear it on the news. I read it on the news. I, I, I see it all the time. It's not in my notes. But everybody's got all these things that uh, what America needs and what we need and what this needs. America don't need an awakening. What they need and what we need is children of God to burn on. We've got too many people burning out. It's time for some children of God to burn on. That's what we need. We don't need any other changes. We need it to start right here in the middle of this service on this September 10th on Sacrificial Sunday for somebody to take the Holy Ghost and fire right outside these four walls. Oh, I I hope you're buying into it. I hope you understand just how important The Holy Ghost really is. It makes all the difference. The Holy Ghost makes all the difference. His presence living deep down inside of you makes the difference in your everyday life. But but we're guilty. I'm guilty that it just happens on Sundays and Wednesdays. It just happens on uh, special rally days. It just happens on on, on special church service. It just happens when there's a a good speaker or a good evangelist. That's just when it happens. But the fact is this, the church is not just a building. We misunderstand that. It's not a building. It's more than these four walls. I love seeing each and every one of you, and I pray that I continue to see you. But we've got to burn on with the Holy Ghost inside of us more than we've ever had it and take it outside these four walls. Whatever you do, whatever you do, I I, I challenge you today. It's a challenge because I'm not leaving. It's like a full time. And the fire is on the altar and it's burning if you'll just come up and get close to it. And when you get the Holy Ghost, just continue to burn on. Well, let's stand and see the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give him some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody just shout his name right now. Hallelujah. It's like a prayer meeting or something. And uh, he said, Pastor, he said the, the midnight hour is the witch's hour. And I wondered, where in the world is he going with that? 
And uh, I said, yes, I, I agree with that. And he said, I, I, I want to do something. And I, I believe if, if you'll think about it and pray about it, I think it might be a good thing. And I said, what's that? He said, I'd like to get a group of men at 12 o'clock midnight and go to the major crossroads of this city and pray over them. So this coming Monday, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, if you'll be here at 1145, all the men that can, I'm not putting the ladies out, but I hate for a bunch of men and one or two ladies show up. So I'm inviting the men. Show up here at 1145 on Tuesday night. We're going to get together and we're going to separate in teams, if enough show. And we're going to go to the, the major intersections of this city. And we're going to anoint with oil. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith that every person that crosses that line. And I believe that. I believe that. I'm so happy several people have reached out about our prayer and fasting. I had a lady call this morning because I put it out. I said, hey, if you need prayer, if you need fasting, uh, I mean, if you need somebody to pray for you while we're praying and fasting, get us a message. Let us know something. And we have had several calls. The church phone rang this morning. I picked it up, and it was a lady. She gave me her name and her daughter's name. And I won't say the names just simply because of the nature of the requests. It's very, very serious, some very deep spiritual and family situations. And I said, hey, you need to come be in church with us. You know, we, we want the hand of the Lord to come to you, but we want you to have the heart of the Lord. You know, and so I invited him. And so I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you to know that prayer meetings have been incredible. They've been so good. I, I, I come in last night after prayer, after, after men's conference and got in on the last probably 20 minutes. By the time I got home and sat down a little while and took a shower and, and, and just, just took a breath, really, from the last few days, uh, I, I came in, I walked in this place, and the Holy Ghost met me right here right here and for the next 20 minutes 22 minutes I just walked around this place and talked to the Lord and his spirit moved let me tell you why because he's real he's here we don't have to beg him we don't have to plead with him he's our father all we got to do is just show up and just give it to him now let me read to you what I feel because I feel something exciting are you ready and it came to pass, Acts 19 if you're following, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, people, believers, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Come on, watch this. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I want to ask you one question right here on this beautiful day on this 10th of September 2023 on an early Sunday afternoon in Terrell, Texas since you believed have you been baptized in Jesus name have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost because the promise is for you and it's for your children and as many as the Lord our God shall call you can lift up your hands right now and be filled and refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not just something that used to be. It's not something that could be, but it's something that is right now. I dare you to lift your hands and say, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Pour your spirit into me and then just see what happens for the next 30 seconds while the music plays. Come on, I wonder, who is it? Who is it that needs to receive the most powerful feeling, the most powerful gift, the most precious anointment ever falling on humanity? Who needs to be refilled? You ought to step out of your pew and throw a hand up towards heaven and say, I hear I am Jesus. I want what they had. I want what they had. I want what they had. Have you received the Holy Ghost? I'm glad you believed on the Lord as your personal Savior. I'm glad you've accepted Him in your heart. I'm glad you've repented. But just as Paul asked him, have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you believe, if we preach anything less, we're cheating the body of an opportunity. If we preach less than filling, if we preach less than deliverance, if we preach this as some old truth, some old passive thing that happened 2,000 years ago, we're cheating one another. The Holy Ghost wants to change you, wants to set you free, wants to break the chains of addiction, wants to straighten out a twisted mind, put together a broken heart, settle a wounded spirit, The Holy Ghost can do all of that. They were believers. There's some believers in here that's never been filled. There's some believers in here that have never received it. There's some people that have accepted the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. There's some people that, yes, have a friend in Jesus. There's some people even that have repented of their sins. But here's my question. Have you been baptized since you believed? Have you earned the promise and the great, woo, the gift of the Holy Ghost? Have you been to the water? We used to sing a song that said, I've already been to the water and I've already been baptized. I've already been converted and I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel all right. Well, I've been changed in Jesus' name and I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel all right. Woo! Has anybody already been to the water 
If you hadn't here in the next five minutes, you ought to get in line behind Brother Michael Booker and we'll baptize you in the name of Jesus. And for the first time in your life, you'll have God. If you've ever had him in debt, you can only get him in debt in the baptistry. What do you mean? How do we have God in debt who died and bled for us? It's the only place in Scripture where the promise of salvation If you've ever had God in debt, you can have him in debt. If it's even possible, that's where it happens. Wouldn't it be incredible to think you had an edge on a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and builds streets out of gold and walls out of jasper and gates out of pearl? Raises the dead, opens a blind eye, unstops the deaf ear, straightens out the withered hand, opens up the club foot. Can you imagine having that kind of God? Let me share something with you before we baptize. Uh, my dear friend, and there was a couple of guys still at men's conference on Saturday, and I already told them. That's coming to a life point near you soon. Yesterday morning, we have quite a historian that I, he's a very, very interesting man to talk to. He used to pastor in Denton. He's retired now. Phil Hudson, some of you know him, and he's had some connections with this church and with many of you over the years. And he shared this picture. And uh, you, you can keep doing what you're doing, Sister Beckham. It'd be fine. Don't, don't put the picture up yet, Brother Beckham. He was the prime minister during the Second World War was Winston Churchill. And this was shared with us yesterday morning, and it just made such an impact on my life from 1940 to 1945. As the threat of the Soviet Union began to loom large and he started trying to tell the world what was coming and what his intelligence of that day could see and understand. There's a famous picture of him and I want you to see it now. You see that picture? Isn't that a pretty incredible picture? Not really. People wondered, what does that mean? Victory? Some thought it meant victory. Others thought they were throwing gang signs from the 20s. Others thought it was, it was some kind of undercover some mysterious something that had something to do with only certain types of people. And some thought it meant victory. Some thought it meant peace. But when you begin to study, you find that Winston Churchill himself was a very incredible historian. And he remembered a war with the French from 1512. 
he had been studying this. Watch this. Watch this. Let's just get real to you real quick. He remembered a war with the French. And the French had 6,000 very well-equipped soldiers and horses and chariots and such. I read the story again this morning even more than what I heard yesterday. They had 6,000 men and the British had just put together an army. They had an army behind the walls and such, but they had a force out front of 600 men that were men that shot with a longbow. And the leader of the army and the military in 1512 warned the French, if you come, we'll strike you before you ever arrive here. We've got 600 men trained, ready. They'll take you out from a long ways. The French attacked. When they got close enough for conversation, they said, here's what we're going to do, Mr. Commander-in-Chief. When we capture those 600 men that's going to shoot at us with the longbow, we're going to take them back to our barracks and we're going to cut off their two pull fingers. And we're going to send them back to you worthless. Centuries later, standing on the edge of World War, Winston Churchill, the historian he was, stepped out in front of the crowd and for the photographer. And he held up two fingers. And everybody said, that means peace. Somebody else said, that means victory. Somebody else said, that means something else. And Winston Churchill said, what you came for 300 years ago, you left defeated. We've still got more of what you came for back then. I want to tell hell and I want to tell the devil we got more Holy Ghost than just what fell in the book of Acts. We've still got more to fight with. We've still got more to war with. We've still got the tongues and interpretation. We've still got signs and miracles and wonder. We still have holiness and purity and You didn't take it in the charismatic movement. You didn't take it in the 80s. You didn't take it in Reformation. We've still got what we need to pull. It may mean something different to you today. And so if, it, if you're not comfortable with it, that's fine. But I wish you had just let hell know. Oh, somebody's probably robbed that and stole it and turned it into something ugly today. And if they have, that's okay. But in its purest sense right there, for the world not to collapse under the power and the authority of a communist Soviet Union, he's reminding them, you didn't take us then and you won't take us now. We'll fight you in the city. We'll fight you in the street. We'll fight you on the mountain. We'll fight you on the sea. We'll fight you.
Brother Michael, the choir's fixing to get a song. And I'm asking if they need to change it to something that, that gets us going. Whatever, I want them to come. Me and you fixing to go to the water. Let me tell you why. Because what Paul was telling them, man, come here, come on, come on, come on, stand by me a minute. I know, hey, I want y'all to know something. I don't mean this in no sissy, girly way. I mean, you can look at this guy and know something. This is one of the sweetest, kindest spirits. I've spent considerable amount of time with him now, and I want to tell you something. He loves Jesus, and he's put other things aside that were very important to him to make the Lord first place in his life. I've never been any more honored to baptize anybody than I will be here today. But we're going to stand together and we're going to let hell know what they've done back then. Oh, I just feel like dancing right now. Somebody lead him to the baptistry room. I just want somebody to know hell didn't take it from me then and it won't take it from me now. Help him, Brother Rodney. I'm going to be there in a hurry. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? The first people I'm going to invite is the people that need to be filled or refilled with the Holy Ghost. Then the next group I'm going to invite is those that have received it and want to declare power and authority in your life again. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, we didn't have this service in like this. You know what happens to statues? Pigeons will spot you. You better get moving or cover up your head because something's fixing to fall here. Come on, somebody hear me right now. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I just want him to know that upon this... I'm encouraging you to come to the altar right now.